welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 12. This week my guest is Halo Scott. We really do have a bit of a chuckle about writing at the dark side, so join me later on for the interview section. At my desk this week, well, I kind of want to deviate from the desk thing and talk about reading. Every writer needs to read a lot, I really firmly believe that. I never really quite trust a writer that says they don't have time to read. Because if you're a writer, well, you're a reader sort of by default. Now, for me, I tend to spit my reading in all sorts of places. I tend to squeeze it into my day. In other words, I have a little cheeky read whenever I get the chance. I've always got my Kindle really quite close to me. In fact, as I look here, and I'm sitting up in the back bedroom, uh, I've got the Kindle chucked on the bed behind me. (laughs) So... Any little bathroom break, yes, I've got the Kindle. Who wouldn't? And while I'm eating the sandwich at lunchtime or having my breakfast in the morning or any other time or sitting waiting to watch a bit of telly with my husband but he's still in the shower, yes, the Kindle's there. I think what I really like about the Kindle is the very quickness you can so quickly get to the page. I like the way you can just switch it straight on and there it is, exactly where you left off, you can get it onto onto the Exactly where you left off, you can get on to where you were. Yeah, I really do like the old Kindle. The other thing is, now here's a bit of a confession, I'm a little bit dyslexic. Well, I'm probably a lot dyslexic, but anyway, enough to bother me every day. And I find if I'm reading from actual books, it's all a bit of a trial because what you, one of the things a dyslexic have, has problems with is tracking the line. And the nice thing about the Kindle is you can kind of bump up the writing and the spaces in between the lines a bit more. And it's much easier and much quicker to read like that. Much more satisfying. And of course, the other thing I love about the Kindle is you can have several books on the go at once. Well, I've always got several books on the go at once. It's not to say that I don't read paperback books or hardback books. And, you know, my house is full of bookshelves, full of books. I love books pretty books and old books and books I've had forever and I've even got some of my childhood picture books but no there's something about the Kindle it's the quickness the instant thing I just love the way you can fit your reading around your day no matter what you're doing and also it's very portable you know you can just pop that into your pocket into your anorak into your handbag and you know you've always got a little bit of reading to do whenever you've got a little gap so Whenever there's a little gap and I'm not actually doing some work, which I usually am, you'll find me with a nose in a book. And it is usually on a Kindle, I have to admit. Anyway, let's get on with the interview. Come and meet Halo. I think you'll really like her. She's brilliant. Halo Scott writes psychological thrillers, science fantasy, science fantasy and, like me, grim dark. She's a fellow independent author and has written six books. She describes herself as an obscure and skittish writer that dwells in the shadows. Well... I've dragged her out of the dark today. Come and meet Halo. Hello, Halo. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, DJ. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Well, it's lovely to see you and to talk to you. And I've sort of seen you across Twitter for many years with your little red thing there going on. And it's it's, it's all pretty good. Um, So you've got a grimdark series under your belt and a few standalones. So what are you working on at the moment? Um. Right now, I'm working on a dark fantasy. I think it might be a duology or a trilogy. I should probably nail that down, but <laughs> I kind of follow the characters. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, so that's good. Is that taking up all your space? Do you, do you just work at, on one thing at a time? 
Um, well, I had been working on a novella that was kind of just playing with different points of view and stuff, but it got really, really weird and like even weird by my standards. So I kind of put it on the back burner. Um, so yeah, I had been working on that and that's the first time I was kind of working on two things at once. Like I was kind of thinking about this one at the same time. Um, but I generally work on things one at a time. I don't know, like switching between the voices of the different works in progress is too hard for me because then like they start to bleed into each other. Yeah, I, I find I've just decided that I'm going to work in blocks on things because I'm also a children's author, which is bizarre. Um, and I find I can't if, if I've got my sort of fantasy head on, I, I find I can't go into the nice kids stuff. Or, you know, and if I, or if I'm doing illustration, or I'm doing drawing and stuff. I'd, I'd much rather work a week or two on something and just concentrate and get it there. I'm, I'm not very good at splitting. You know, even this podcast lark. You know, like this is my week for getting the podcast out for four or five episodes, and then I'll kind of go back to the writing. I just can't. I don't think I can multitask. Actually, there's something inherently wrong with me as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I think I do the same thing. Like I know for marketing my upcoming book, I had to set aside a block to market, and then switching back to drafting what I'm writing now was really difficult because the marketing brain and the writing brain are just so totally different. So you know, I'm totally with you that I think you kind of have to. Um, like multitask in chunks, if that makes sense. Like, you know, yeah. have a bunch of things planned for the month, but I can't do them all at the same time. No, no. I mean, I know lots of people that sort of say, oh, I get up in the morning and then I get my word count done and then I do marketing. And and then I do, I'm like, no, <laughs> all day I'm in the marketing thing. I'm doing that, you know, or I'm podcasting like I'm doing today. And I've done lots of interviews today and it's been lovely, but I can't go, oh, and now I'm going to write a thousand words because I can't because I've talked to you a lot and you sent me that. No, that's the same thing with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is really funny. Um, so are you always drawn to the dark side, Halo? I think so. I mean, like, I have tried to read across different genres. I think it's very important to step outside our comfort zone, which would probably be in the comfort zone of most people. <laughs> but, like, you know, reading something happy for me. Um, I think it's really good to just see what other people are doing, see how different stories are structured, kind of borrow from different genres and put it into your own work. But I think in general, I, I don't know, I think there's more, I shouldn't say it's not an absolute statement, but for me, I find more truth in the darkness and I find more honesty. Um, whereas I think sometimes um, with light fiction, because it's supposed to be happy, I think sometimes we we lie to ourselves a little bit more or it's kind of propagating an unrealistic um situation not all the time because I know I could get hate for that but just like I don't know for me I like the honesty the blunt honesty of the darkness light fiction is great too and I think there is obviously like more more escapism I think in light fiction which is wonderful and um but just for me I I don't know I like it raw and gritty yeah I I, I do too I, I find if I'm reading uh I I, I read a, a I read, I think I'm what they call an omnivorous reader. I heard somebody coin this phrase. I'll, I'll just read anything. I'll read fantasy, science fiction, smut, romance, thrillers, whatever, whatever just comes under my nose. I go, oh, I'll read that, I'll read that. And, and I just read all sorts of things. I don't really stick to one thing. But I do find occasionally the book I'll ditch will be the book that's just a bit too nice because I really want to murder them all. I want you all to die. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I just could I find myself putting another storyline into it, thinking, 
you know, she's really irritating. Let's just clear her now. <laughs> she yeah. needs to go. <laughs> she needs to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think you should. So, do you do? Does it come out all right in the end after the dark? For some of them, do, they, do, you, do some of your characters make it through? Do you do you tend to kill them all off? Chapter ten or some of my characters do make it. Yeah, actually. Sorry, I'm trying to make sure I don't like give any spoilers. Um, I think the ones who make it though have to go through such a trial to get there that like they're not really the same person making it. Like they've had to change as a person to make it, which I think happens in a lot of fiction, you know, but, um, but yeah, they all have to kind of suffer to live, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. I think, it, uh, were you, have you always been drawn to sort of darker things, even when you were younger? You know, I didn't think I was, but looking back, um, like my parents had been going through their old like boxes of our childhood stuff. And I was looking at stuff I wrote in like third grade and first grade. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I guess I always was kind of dark. Like my stories were the ones where just like there were a lot of um, mafia stories, a lot of cheese stories, a lot of like death and destruction. But like, I don't think I realized how dark it was until later on, kind of looking back. And honestly, until people told me how dark it was, because I was just like, yeah, this is this is great. Yeah, I, I find that because I, I write things and then um, I, I don't think anything of it. My husband reads He's like my first reader and he's always quite, you know, quite amused by it or, you know, he, I give him a bit of a scare, but he, he doesn't find. But some members of my family are shocked and they would like me to fit into this. Like I look like I should write romance or something, <laughs> you know, nice middle-aged lady. You know, you kind of want cosy mystery or something. And, and, the, and of course, what I write is, is a bit like you, you know, I have this darker thing. Um, I wonder if we're more. No, I wonder. I wonder if we're better off for it because we address those kind of dark feelings or dark side to our personality. Whereas some of the happy clappies, I just wonder if they don't really. You know, they're I avoiding think, it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, like, like in high school, for instance, there were a, a lot of people who kind of dwelled on drama and stuff um, and like would really focus on that and gossip. And I just was never that way. I think because like, if there's something dark or something that's bothering me or whatever, I was always like, if I'm doing something that bothers you, just tell me to my face and we'll fix it. You know? So I think I've always just been more, I don't want to say confrontational in that way, but you know, just willing to do the hard work up front. You know, I'm like, let's fix it now instead of letting it kind of fester and then down the line having this problem that's a lot harder to fix. So I guess that kind of ties in to the dark fiction, you know. Yeah, yeah. So does your personality type. I think I'm a bit like that too. I think we I think we're a bit similar, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we love death. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, because this is the words and pictures, I always like to ask you about your visuals. And I do like your very strong, clear images that you've got in the Rift Cycles. The Rift Cycle is a series of uh, four books, five? Uh, four, yes. Four, yeah, four books. Yeah, four, four books in the Rift, Rift Cycle. And they've got a really strong branded look. And sometimes you take the first, the image of the first cover and use it as your, your sort of Twitter avatar. And I don't know what other social media you're on, but I wonder if it sort of pops up. Was that difficult to achieve? Did you do it yourself? Did you get a designer? Did you know what you wanted? Um, I did do it myself. I did had no idea what I wanted at first. So and like, so I um I started. I love Pixabay. It kind of gives me a lot of inspiration to kind of jump off of. Um, and I honestly did 
something like 12 to 15 versions of the cover before settling on this one. And it was so different from like the earlier versions had like people on the cover were more realistic. Um, some of them had like bloody handprints. So I tried like a bunch of different stuff. And then I realized that it was more of kind of the symbol of who these two people are. And I wanted to kind of make it just that stark uh, symbol on the cover. I also am a big fan of Red Rising. And those covers kind of are like, you know, very uh, symbol oriented. So I thought that because it's also kind of a grimdark series to make it branded to look a bit more like what else is in that series. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they work really well. And, and you like me, you look quite like red. I love red. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Thank I like you. Red. Yeah. Yeah. I like red. I always have. My, my, yeah. My stuff's always a bit. Uh, black and gray but I've always I always have to have that bit of red in everything it just um I don't know it's red for danger I don't know it's it's just it's a strange thing yeah um I see you made a book trailer for your most recent work I will kill you Ooh, how tricky was that to do I so again I use Pixabay and they've had more um, videos and sound bites and music up there for that's um, royalty free and free for commercial use. Um, sometimes you have to talk to the author of that to um, get rights to use it, but it's fairly uh, simple and just really high quality stuff. Um, I made it in Canva and it was a lot of fun. I, I would say that it was pretty easy because I took the, um, I, I really just kind of scrolled through Pixabay, finding a bunch of images of like uh, New York and videos of New York. And kind of then I, I happened across one where there was like a traffic, um, something like a two minute just thing where someone went through traffic. I was like, ooh, what if I speed this part up? And then I saw that um, the artist had a bunch of other stuff on their channel. So yeah, I would say it was just kind of going down the rabbit hole and throwing it all together, and hoping it worked and lining it up with the music at points. Yeah, I think I think it's. Uh, I haven't done any of the video thing yet. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to bite the bullet at some point. I'm not familiar with Pixabay. What what is that? Tell us about that. Oh yeah, uh, Pixabay.com. It's where there's a bunch of free images, videos, um, sound effects, and music. I think that they have, but they they keep adding more and more stuff. But basically, it's free to use content, and that's where I use. Like I get a lot of it for my. Um, my covers or for my advertisements and stuff. So it's really great. It's um, all compiled and you, it's all public domain or like the, um, I think it's the CCO license. So you don't have to give attribution back. I mean, you can always donate if you really appreciate the author's work, but um, it's great. I mean, I, I love using it and it's just, it, it always gives me inspiration too. If I'm kind of stuck and I'm like, I need, I don't know, there's just really good images on there too, especially fantasy and sci-fi stuff. Oh, right. I'll have to have a look in there. Yeah, that's good. I, I find that's, one of the because my, my covers are sort of manipulated images and I find just looking for whatever it is I'm looking for is just takes forever really and and you go off like you say down these rabbit holes looking for things and then you find something else and then something else and it just goes on and on is that you can waste a lot of time in these sort of spaces but I haven't heard of Pixbay that's a good one I'll stick it in the show notes so it it wasn't too tricky to do. No, it was, um, I would say anyone can do it, honestly. It was It was really like, I just went on Canva, which is also, I had the free version and um, just spliced it together. I did do some stuff to speed up the um, the clips at first, but I think I used QuickTime, which is also free. So I just used a bunch of free tools to kind of throw it all together. Yeah, it's amazing what you can get done if you just look around and find some, some of the free stuff that's out there and, and with a bit of, and, and I'm always amazed how much stuff out there there is do you think the book trailers help get your work noticed do you think it's worth doing would you do another one it's it's a tough question um 
I'm in a very kind of niche genre. So I like, I think it depends. I've had, I've heard people say they really help them with sales. For me, I don't think it so much helps me with sales as gives me more um, of a reach, I guess. Like, I think the more places you are, the more legitimate you look, if that makes sense. So like, I think for me, it's just more like, oh, Halo's there too. And there and there, you know, so it's more like you're kind of creating uh, sowing the seeds of your empire. Um, so for me, I wouldn't say I've gotten any sales directly from the trailers. I think it's a way to kind of garner interest. I also, um, what's that marketing saying? It's like someone has to see something seven times before they buy it. So I think you're kind of adding to one of your seven times. It's so hard to track if it's like the, the trailer might be that seventh thing that people are like, Oh, I saw, I've been seeing, I will kill you. And maybe that makes them buy it. But for me, I haven't seen an uptick right after I've like posted a trailer, but I know other people who have. So I think it depends on your audience, what they're drawn to and stuff. Um, So I, I don't think it could hurt. I would say, don't um, maybe test it out first with a really simple one. Like you can always do a teaser trailer. That's like 10 seconds long, find a really cool video that matches some text and just like music and throw it up and see if that works. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's good. I think the point is to, to chuck it out there. It's, it's one more thing where you're showing your, showing your stuff, showing what you're going to, cause it's all about that really Um, getting it out in as many places as you can. And uh, do you, do, do you do um, paid advertising as well? I have done a little bit. Um, my budget at the moment, I kind of drained it for future kind of promos for the book. So I didn't have that much uh, money to put in it. I have dabbled in Facebook and Amazon. For me, I think Facebook has been better, but I know some people say the opposite. So, you know, it's something that you have to just, you know, dabble with and try. And at the moment, I don't have that much money to try. No, so, I think it's a nightmare. You know? It is a nightmare. Do you yeah. do TikTok? I have a TikTok. I haven't really figured out what I want to do on TikTok. I don't know. I always feel just like like I'm not a cool kid and everyone else is cool kids. <laughs> I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the TikTok thing, I feel I need to get on TikTok. It's kind of on my list, you know. But I uh, I I think a lot of us authors are quite shy, really. We we like to put our work out there but but to actually meet us and I think I've had no trouble getting people on the podcast because everybody's very happy to do audio only you know people like, feel we'll it, hide and, yeah and it's pre-recorded so you haven't got to do the live thing which is really scary and and I think that's kind of part of the author creator thing we we go well here's my creation now leave me alone you know so whereas TikTok's a bit like here's my creation and here's me and I'm a bit like oh I don't know whether I can quite quite do that i think you do great at it yeah no i think you do great it's very um it's very i don't know whether to be very serious and go i'm dark fantasy and this is it or whether to go well actually i mean i'm really quite bubbly and happy because i'm like this really scary shit yeah exactly (laughs) i like to murder characters woohoo yeah exactly how does that go yeah it is it's a nightmare i think the marketing is such a nightmare yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a steady trickle, but I, I, I don't know what the answer is to get properly successful. Really, I, I'm still when I when I sort it out, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I've talked to a bunch of authors about that. And I think it honestly, it's like everyone had a different answer. It was really interesting. Like I reached out to a bunch of um, kind of Amazon bestsellers that were in like the top like hundred of Amazon stuff. And um, some of them were nice enough to get back to me who I just cold calling them, be like, share your tips. <laughs> um, and some of them said ads were essential for them. Some of them said ads did nothing for them. Some of them said TikTok was essential for them. Some of them said Instagram. So it was great that they shared all this stuff. I just saw it was so, and these were people in like norm, like basically all in dark fantasy, some dark romance, some like dark fiction, just like the dark genres. So it's like, they were all kind of lumped together and yet still for each of them, it was something different that kind of launched them. So I think, you know, trying what suits you and just trying a bunch of things is, you know, I think that's all, think, all any of or, us can do. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. selling our soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's very much like, um, a little snowball you get it rolling and it's you know I think my snowball's rolling but it's just rolling I just like it to roll a bit quicker <laughs> my snowball's pretty stagnant at the moment <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of sitting there becoming slush <laughs> yeah no I think it'll it'll all sort itself out so you write the dark fantasy halo and do you um have any authors or writers that you've read that are that you think you know, those have been a big influence on you, uh, you know, when you were either when you were younger or recently that you think, ah, oh, yes, this is this is the stuff. I mean, it's going to be a weird um, kind of, I guess, comp because well, it's not really a comp, but like Ray Bradbury got me into the whole kind of speculative fiction realm. So although like yeah. my stuff is nothing like him, I would never compare myself to he's like a titan. So um, but he got me into the speculative fiction era, um, realm, he, he taught me kind of how you don't have to explain everything and how you can just kind of focus on the impact of a concept. You know, like I love the Martian Chronicles. He's like, we're on air and we can breathe, deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, not really. He's like, and there are rockets that sometimes can, you know, launch from people's backyards because so moving on. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I was a very analytical person. I was very into math and science. And I think for me, it was good to kind of disconnect in a bit of a way and to realize that you can focus on the emotion um, as well. I think the other the other authors who have really impacted me, I would say Pierce Brown with the Red Rising series, because he was also one that he was very much a mix of it's very science fantasy. Like I would say it's probably an even split of science fiction and fantasy. And um there's a lot of emotion in it too. There's a lot of action and it just, it, it was such a, such a pivotal series. I would say in my reading experience to be like, Oh, you can do this in a book. You know, it was just very, very fun, very dark, very moving, very gory. And I think it just, it really drew me. Cause I was like, yes, to all of this. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's great when you find something that has, I remember reading the, the Dune thing, Frank Herbert's Dune when I was, Oh, I suppose I must have been in my mid-twenties. And it was the first thing that I read and thought, the first thing, apart from like The Hobbit and all that stuff that you'd kind of read when you were younger, but the first thing that I read that seemed like it could happen, like it had such reality in those characters and in that world that he'd made. It didn't feel like fantasy that's made up. It felt like fantasy that was real. It was a different, a different thing, Yeah. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it's nice to have those. I think they're always with you when you read something that has an influence. It's kind of at the back of your the back of your mind. Yeah. 
Um, I, I think what it. I really want to ask you, but I'm trying to be really polite about it, is um, do you, do you, I'm, I'm assuming you're a gay woman. Yes. Yes. Queer, queer, gay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so, so you're, you're rainbow. You're, yeah, you're one of the rainbows, which is great. Um, my daughter's gay. So, you know, it's all great. Um, so, do you address these things in your, in your fiction? Do you want to talk about that? You don't have to. If you sure, don't want yeah. To. Just throwing you it out here. To, please, you don't have to be polite with me. You can just. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know. I'm British. So we, we, we do polite. There's, there's no other, there's no other default. This is polite. So what we do. If you were killing us, we'd go, oh, can, can, you, can you get my leg? <laughs> you should saw harder. Right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I don't want to interrupt, but yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I lived in um, Britain for a year and oh my God, I love just, I love the culture and stuff. Sorry, random aside. But um, I, you know, I, I don't think I intentionally do it, but I just kind of like, like I definitely in the riff cycle, I didn't intend to make them um, like pan. They just were pan. They just kind of, you know, so it wasn't like um, it wasn't me thinking like this is something I want to have in my story. And I made sure I mean, I always want to have diversity in my stories in a lot of ways and for people to be seen and included. But I also don't want it to just feel like a tokenized character and kind of like, here's a checkbox, woohoo, you know, Um, which is what you see a lot of just like, you know, the kind of stereotypical kind of queer character that will be placed because they just want to make sure that they don't get sued. And I'm like, eh, that's never what I want to do. That being said, I think it just because it's who I am, I think it just ends up coming out in my work, but I never want to be preachy about it either I guess like I really like normalizing it like just yeah it's got to be yeah it's got to be authentic yeah Yeah, exactly and I think like so like I I write from men and women's perspectives I think I feel more comfortable writing from a man's perspective it just is like more of what like the activities I've done in life and more of like just how I think it's very easy for me to get into kind of man's head I think the the women's perspective is a bit more difficult for me um, but I think it also pushes me more as a writer, if that makes sense. So I do like to make sure that I'm kind of balancing it out. Um, I have written from a non-binary character's perspective too, and one of my um, uh, works in progress too. So I, I try to, I try to get in the minds of a lot of different types of people. I think it helps with empathy. It helps with understanding. Um, but at the same time, doing it as like I want them to just be a part of the world and that I want their queerness to be an aspect of their, you know, of who they are, but not like being defined by it, if it makes sense. Like, I don't want to be like, this is gay character number one, and this is bi character number one. You know, I just want to be like, this is Sam, and this is Joe, and they happen to have these traits, you know? Yeah, that's it. I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Do you have to do, um, for your, for your writing, do you do a lot of research for it, for in, in, you know, for if you're writing sort of science fiction or dystopian things, or even, in fact, murdering somebody. I have got some really weird stuff on my, on my. I don't know, somebody, somebody was, somebody was getting strangled in a in a in a thing we were watching on television, and I was like, well, that's not right. It takes much longer to strangle somebody. <laughs> In authentic. <laughs> in authentic. And my husband just goes, Oh God, you're not you're not normal. You know, do you find yourself researching weird weird stuff? You know or is that just me? <laughs> no, no, I, I definitely do. I think I honestly research more of the normal stuff than the weird. Like it's easy for me. I, like there was um 
there was a channel in the States. I don't know if it's still around, but it was called Discovery Health. And basically they would just show like live surgery operations. And I, <laughs> I was really into this in high school. So I just saw like, it was just like doctors operating on people and cutting them open and like replacing organs and stuff. So like, I think that kind of, I like just remembered the stuff that you have to do like with the gore. Um, but like yeah, stuff, um, I research a lot about like if I'm bla- uh, basing if I'm basing a place off of something else, then I will try to do a lot of research to make sure that it's true. Um, stuff like um, I guess I research a lot of kind of myth too, and like different magic systems to kind of compile them all. Like the Rift Cycle has gods, but they're kind of drawn from a bunch of different pantheons. So yeah, I mean, I think I do that the same way. I kind of scroll Pixabay, like I just kind of. I don't know, feast on a bunch of information and see, see what sticks. Yeah, yeah, I think it's true. And I think um, because we make stuff up, you can you can make a lot of it up. And I remember I, I had a thing where one of my characters, I thought, I know what she's doing because I like, I like right, dark medieval type fantasy. And I thought, oh, she'd be skinning a rabbit. So my character. So I, I researched skinning a rabbit. And I really researched skinning a rabbit. There's definitely, you'd have heard the saying, there's more than one way to skin a rabbit. Well, there's loads. And I picked one that I thought, that's ideal. This is how she'd do it. it brilliant. I watched videos and the whole thing. Anyway, so off off I go. And I and I did the, um, the skinning the rabbit scene in this story and then read it back and thought, oh, that's far too much. And deleted the whole thing and just said... <laughs> You know, he came up to her. She was skinning rabbits at the table. You know, she put the knife down and talked to him. And that was all. It was, that was all that was needed in the scene. I didn't actually know how. I didn't need to know how to skin a rabbit. It was just one of those weird things. And I, I think sometimes you can literally go down a rabbit hole and then think, <laughs> I actually don't need that. to know how the rock how the rocket is launched. You just actually need to say, and they pressed a button and off they went. You know, because that's actually not what's needed for the story, isn't it? Yeah. But we've definitely done that too, though. Like, done that level of research and been like, actually, none of this is needed in the story, but it was a fun time. And now the FBI is on to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I actually know too much about too many weird things. Exactly. Do you prefer to write in series or do you prefer to write standalones? I think I like to alternate. Like after I did the Rift Cycle, I, I knew that I wanted that to be serious and I wanted to really do a deep dive into kind of the human psyche. Um, after that was done, I was exhausted, <laughs> like just mentally drained and I, I was burnt out and I just, I knew I needed to go to something a bit like... How long did it take you to write it? The first draft, I'm trying to remember, I think the first drafts of all four books took 14 months or something. But then oh, that's I had to go quite back quick. That's pretty I, quick. I went a little crazy, <laughs> a lot crazy, but it was messy. It was a messy, messy. So like, it was just me like brain dumping it onto the paper. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I was like, I needed to kind of limit the scope a bit more. Um, I wanted to focus more on um, voice and plot and other things and just kind of play around. I think play is very important to creativity. But then, yeah, after I did a few standalones, I was then kind of itching to get back to a series because I think there are things you can do. There are 
ways that you can grow a character in a series that you can as standalone as as much as I like I love standalones and sometimes you don't want to get into like like a 40 book series it is um it's also nice to be able to really become intimate with those characters in a series and to yeah. torture them and to torture them you can put them through a lot can't you in, in three or four books yeah absolutely uh, so would you say you're more of a discovery writer than a than a than a plotter or are you a bit of bit of both I've, I've learned to be a bit more organized as I've got older with it because otherwise you just get in such a mess, don't you? <laughs> so I try, I, I try and have some sort of a loose thing. Are you, are you a bit like that? But I do go off. That's, I think that's exactly what I do. Like I, I need to know, you know, I, what I do um, detail quite a bit are the characters in the world. I need to know the conflicts too of the characters in the world. I need to know what they want. I need to know what they're afraid of. I need to know like who burnt them in their past. I need to know why they are, who they are and where they're going as a trajectory. Um, in terms of plot, I kind of have loose pillars that I'll put out because I feel like I always like to have a structure of knowing where I'm going. And then I usually don't follow it all the time. Or if I do follow, I don't know, I just get bored because I know it's happening. I like to surprise myself. I like the characters to surprise me. And I think then that surprise can kind of translate more instead of just carrying out kind of, you know, I don't know. But I've heard people who do plot say the other thing that they can get deeper into the kind of the execution but yeah I would say I'm like a hybrid I would say like I'm a wannabe plotter who's really kind of a pantser who's trying to be <laughs> plotter. organized yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> I'm trying to organize my chaos and not always doing it well <laughs> yeah yeah no I think I think that's very true I quite like it when you, sometimes I quite often think I'm you know like today my husband's going away next week and that'll be a really good time for me to write and get on and that's I'm going to get on with my work in progress. And quite often I haven't even consciously thought about it, but I'll go right now. This is the time and I'm here. The house is empty and the dogs walked and everything. I've got coffee and I put the thing and I have nothing in my head and I go into the thing and then it's there. And it's like, do you find your subconscious is like worked on it in some weird way? And suddenly it's like, here it is. I'm often quite surprised. It's like not my brain, somebody else's. I think, yeah, I think, well, what I try to do is I let it, let it like simmer. So if I have an idea, I won't write it right away. And I think that my, I let my subconscious just kind of go. And like you said, like I have a few like ideas in a document that I'm like, these aren't ready to write yet, but they're just for the future. And then, like you say, I'll be like on a run or picking the kids up or like making pizza. And as I'm like grating cheese, I'm like, Oh, this is what it is. You know, it's like your brain kind of clicks into pieces. So I think there's a lot of kind of faith in the subconscious with writing that you're just like, hopefully this will resolve. <laughs> yeah. They say you've got to trust the process. And I think that's, yeah. I think that's really true. And the more I've written, the more I've done, the more I realize. And the same with it, because I'm an artist as well. And sometimes I think, Oh, the blank paper. And I think, Oh, you know, and, and then it, and then it's there and it's fine. And, and as I got older, I think you, you all just need to go. It's fine. We can do this. It's you know, it's amazing how our, our minds and our creativity can just keep producing new stuff. Really, yeah, it is. It's a good. It's a good thing. Anyway, the time. The time. Um, Halo. Where can people find you and your stuff online? Uh, Halo.scott.com has all of my just links and stuff in the top uh to social media whatever ones i have now i don't even know <laughs> um yeah. and queerindie.com has um, a bunch of uh queer and ally indie authors and um yeah i think that that should link you to everywhere i 
kind of cause chaos online. Yeah, it's I good. should do more TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to try and do a bit more TikTok. But you're very good on on Twitter because you actually write interesting little things. They're like, oh, I'm da da da, and I'm like, hmm, retweet, and that's about it. <laughs> I actually don't you're say. Too, no, I never say sweet. anything. I never say anything online. I just retweet people and spread the love. But I very rarely get on there and go. You know, I, I don't know. I find it. I find it incredibly difficult to throw something out into the ether it's most odd and i can do this chat to people absolutely fine which is why i'm doing it because i find it much easier i yeah. i don't i do like twitter i think it kind I of do. lends yeah. to my like i don't know i have very brain vomity moments and i think that's just why i like twitter that i can just be ridiculous and have fun and you know i know that you know it it's not everyone's cup of tea totally understand that but um i don't know for me it's been where i feel like i can just be weird and it and twitter will be like all right i guess this is gonna stay and we're not gonna flag your account this time yeah no i think it's good i think there's a lot of nice writers on there that are quite pleasant and have a you know that are supportive i think we're quite supportive of each other and and on the whole i've not really had a bad experience on that it's a few creeps. Fairly- There's always a few creeps wherever you go. If you've got to be, yeah. you know, but on the whole, it's fine. Anyway, our time is up. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much, GJ. This has been wonderful. Okay, it was lovely to speak to Halo Scott about her writing and nice to talk to a fellow person who also writes slightly dark stuff like me. Okay, so you can find Halo at www.halo.scott.com. And you can find those notes in the show notes at my website also, www.djbowmansmith.com. And I think those show notes do pop up on some of the podcast providers as well. Anyway, next week, my special guest is Jessica Bell. Now, Jessica is a bit of a polymath. She is an author, an artist. She writes poetry, memoirs, novels, books about writing. But she's also a musician, an independent publisher and a voiceover artist. She teaches the business and craft of writing. And I'm not really entirely sure how she finds the time to fit it all in. So join me next week when we'll be talking to Jessica Bell about all the things she does. And I'm sure she'll have lots of interesting advice about design and about writing. And about lots of other things too. Brilliant. Okay, so I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this has been the Words and Pictures podcast. Join me next Monday. Until then, goodbye.